Hello, Saints. Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. Uh, and remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing uh, happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not, in Jesus' name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Let's talk about the authentic truth-seeking disciples of Jesus today. Jesus made it clear that his house was a little flock, the Father's house. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, the remnant, the scripture speaks of and uses the word the remnant. They're taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. They are in love with Jesus. He is their first priority, their, their first love, Revelation 2, 4, and 5. And they're taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. They have chosen to do things God's way and not their own. They're not following some false teacher or teacher's. They submit themselves to God every day in the morning when they awake in prayer, in praise, in the reading, the studying of his word and adoring, that is, holding themselves accountable to sound doctrine. Amen. Do you want to see a an authentic truth seeker? Who are they? They are those who are honest about their utter desperate need for Jesus today. Amen. Like David, they are willing to cry out, Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me, O Lord. Also, search me, O God, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and try my heart. Uh, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In fact, I love what David cried out, Psalm thirty-eight, eighteen. For I will declare mine iniquity; I will be sorry for my sin. Amen. Psalm thirty-eight, eighteen. Also, Psalm thirty-two, five. The man after God's own heart said, "I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid." I said, "I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord." And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Amen. God forgave the iniquity of his sin. It's the implication here because he was honest about it. Now, let's just get honest, you and I, for a minute. Every one of us that has been born again has sinned after we have gotten saved. But some have chosen to cloak themselves with the fairy tale that's uh, predominantly peddled in the church uh, world. The false doctrine of eternal security, a once saved, always saved, which puts somebody immediately into a lukewarm state. And that's all it takes to go to hell, according to Jesus. Revelation three fifteen and 16. Okay. There are those who 
migrate to the false teachers, those snakes, many of which we call pastors, who are peddling Satan's first lie and then claiming blasphemously that this is part of the gospel. The only people you see in Scripture teaching eternal security is Satan and his false prophets. And you see Jesus and his apostles warning against these wolves. These are the very wolves, the ones that Jude said are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, license for sin. These ungodly men, Jude verse 4, that we earnestly contend against, they are the ones that are teaching and peddling Satan's uh, doctrine. That, that is, those who notice in the Garden of Eden, the first lie Satan told that led to the fall of man and is still leading to the fall of millions who, are, who place themselves under it because they want to do sound doctrine. He told the man and woman that they would not surely die, but God had told them that they would. They would be separated from him because he's holy, holy, holy. Genesis 2.17 and 3.4. Go study that yourself. Genesis 2.17 and 3.4. Notice in Jeremiah 23.17. It's one of the many places we see the false prophets peddling this idea of peace to God's people while they live in sin. Let me tell you this. According to the whole council of the God who is holy, holy, holy. If you die in sin or if I die in sin, we are going to hell. Paul said, I keep under my body. Okay. I keep it under. I stay crucified, in other words. Uh, lest by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 is absolutely pivotal to the actual authentic truth seeker. Notice, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Notice, those who cover the sins instead of confessing them are not going to prosper. And that's what the, those who migrate to the once saved, always saved fairy tale mythology are doing. They do not want to deal with sin. They do not want to truly lay down their lives, repent, and truly follow Jesus in a daily abiding walk of a, the crucified life. That's what he demanded. And that's what he said is required to follow him. Otherwise, you're not following him and you're living a lie. And there are many teachers who will scratch your itching ears, your unrepentant heart to accommodate and facilitate this filthy demonic uh, system of theology that doesn't require anybody to repent. There's no judgment. There's no hell. There's no crucified life. There's no be ready for the return of Christ. There's no uh, teaching about be holy for I am holy. Okay, it's a false gospel. And anyone who puts themselves under it will be deceived uh, under it and will receive uh, a seducing spirit, a demon. And also you are bidding Godspeed to the very enemies of the Lord, whose God is their belly and they mind earthly things. See, their doctrine and their whole church business with money signs, uh, is all about accommodating and coddling men in their sins uh, and perpetrating them in a form, a mere form of godliness, instead of a true, authentic, cross-bearing walk with Jesus, where you're crying with John the Baptist, he must increase, but I must decrease. What is the difference here? Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins instead of confessing them honestly, as we read 
David did and the whole of scripture instructs us to do. But if you don't, if you cover your sins, you shall not prosper. Not only that, you're irrevocably going to the lake of fire. You will have no second chance. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. See, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Notice if you confess your sins. God doesn't just arbitrarily, automatically forgive your sins because you were initially saved. He requires that you confess them. He requ- Now, he delights to forgive and cleanse and give you grace to overcome and establish you in his truth. Okay. As you're fighting a good fight of faith, which scripture instructs us to do, you're working out, not for, but you are abiding in Christ in the cross every day and you're bearing good fruit to his glory. And you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And God is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he's given you overcoming grace. Jesus told everyone without exception of the seven churches. The Bible's written to believers, by the way, not unbelievers. In Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus told everyone. He warned them. He's warning you right now. That if you don't overcome, if you don't love him enough to put him first and seek his face so that his divine grace is in you to overcome these things that offend him, you're not going to be with him. That is a condition. People don't like, a lot of people, counterfeits are known by this. They don't want to hear anything about a condition. They don't want to hear anything about personal responsibility. They are not, they just want Jesus to bring them to heaven. They could care less to serve him here. Okay, they 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 will make every excuse under the sun, these counterfeits. Okay, so when you see an honest person, Jesus said, you must out of a good and honest heart bring forth fruit uh, to the end of your life with patience, with endurance all the way. Endure to the end in Luke 815. Okay, that's who's going to heaven. That's the only that's the only one of the four heart souls that he taught is going to be in glory right there. You get saved. You stay saved. You get saved. You abide in the one who saved you. You fear him. You worship him. You put him first, not yourself. And you obey him. I tell you what, you start teaching about biblical obedience. These folks come unglued. Are you preaching a work salvation? Really? Since when is obeying this save you? You claim saved you. Work salvation. Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. In fact, the apostle Paul says that there are those who are actually an abomination to the Lord. And Titus Chapter 1, verse 16. And who are those people? Notice this. They profess that they know God. Oh, I'm saved. Got a lot of people saying that. But they don't have the fruit to back it up. They're counterfeits. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable, an abomination, and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. These people are literal abominable reprobates Titus 1:16 notice the apostle John said he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar 
and the truth is not in him. Could it be any clearer? James 1, 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Amen. Notice the authentic disciple, the fruit of their life, is that they do not make excuses for sin, but they rather confess and forsake them, cutting off the hand and plucking out the eye, whatever it takes, Mark 9, 43 through 49. Jesus said, whatever it takes, including cutting off the hand, plucking out the eye to miss hell and go to heaven, you better do it. Somebody says, well, I just can't. It's strong. It's rough. I've got a lot of temptation. Well, you know why? Because you're serving the God of self and you have not repented. And if you did, you've long since backslidden and are in desperate need of repenting today and bringing forth fruit to prove it. Never mind your lip service. Repent. And own up to the to the truth that God is holy, 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 and he's going to damn your soul into hell, the domain of the damn, if you don't truly repent and prove that you've repented. Matthew 3, 7 through 10, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, consistent with that prove you've repented. I don't want to hear you got faith. Show it to us. Show it to God by your good works. Amen. If you love him, you delight to obey him. Okay, if it's a problem obeying him, it's because you do not love him. He's not first and you need to repent. Okay, notice Jesus said, and I say unto you, my friends, my friends. Mm, Interesting. Be not afraid of them that kill the body. He's talking to his own people. Okay, he's not telling them you're eternally secure. You don't have any personal responsibility further. Only the devil in Genesis and the false teachers in the Old and New Testament teach that kind of lie. Jesus Jesus never said you're once saved, always saved. Jesus never said you're once uh, in grace, always in grace, eternally secure. None of his apostles said anything to, to, the, to the resemblance of that. You got to take scripture out of context, which these uh, grace-perverting devils, these snakes are doing today, as Jude warned us they would, and created a whole generation of people okay a whole generation who claim to be saved and yet take no personal responsibility to truly obey god according to his word on his terms they just like their little mere form of godliness where they go hear the snake speak every sunday morning they enjoy a little social hour and they go home and live like they want Mm. you die in sin friend you're going to hell the wages of sin is still death Okay, and if Jesus isn't saving you from sin, your soul ain't saved for glory. I can tell you that. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, Paul said? God forbid. Okay, in other words, saving grace does not abound to those who are justifying sin and continuing in sin. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Notice here, Jesus said, Luke 12, 4 and 5, and I say unto you, my friends, my friends, who's he talking to? His own people. Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him that needs no 
explanation. Authentic disciples of Jesus uh, are working out their salvation with fear and trembling. They're fighting the good fight of faith. They're plucking out the eye, cutting off the hand. They're going into fasting and prayer, as Jesus said they commanded them to, and gave utter uh, all kinds of good text in his word about. And they're having their yokes broke. They're being delivered. Okay, because they're choosing to say, I don't care what it costs. Jesus, I'm going to love him, not myself. Bible never says love yourself. That's our problem. We already love ourselves. It's innate. Okay. But they're saying, I'm going to love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to walk in the mind of Christ, preferring others above myself. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. I encourage you to read that passage every morning prayerfully and recite that before the Lord and before your own heart and ears. Amen. God is presently working in their lives. They are his. Amen. That's the five. We're talking about the authentic five wise virgins as opposed to the five foolish virgins who, who got engaged to the bridegroom, but went off and did their own thing. That's what you got today. You got people that they want Jesus to save them in heaven, but they, they don't want any part to do with knowing and obeying what he commanded, walking with him on his terms, which he made clear in every one of the Gospels that you got to die. You got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him or you're not following him. God is presently working in the lives of his true remnant. Unlike the self-serving, once saved, always saved, counterfeits who have a mere form of godliness uh, and whom the Lord has long ago, in most cases, departed from. Because God's not going to coexist with your sin or mine, my friend. Jesus says you must endure to the end to be saved and that those who do not abide, that is, remain and continue in him, will be cast into the fires of hell. John chapter 15, verse 6. Moral cowards refuse to repent. They refuse to deny themselves, uh, to lay down their lives in a sinful world, to take up the cross, to bear good fruit, and to follow Jesus authentically. So, they hide behind the sham, the fairy tale mythology of quote-unquote, eternal security, unquote, which Christ and his apostles, again, never taught. Those who believe in the mythology of eternal security are simply justifying sin instead of repenting of it and getting delivered of all of it by the power of Jesus, whom they vainly claim to know. What does Titus chapter 2, verse 14 say concerning... Uh, what Jesus came to deliver us from. Titus 2, listen to this. Titus 2, verse 14. It's speaking of Jesus and who gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us from all iniquity, all, all of it, all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You see, anybody who's comfortable with any sin is not walking with the Lord. They're full of self. The Bible tells us here, if Jesus is working in your life, 
He actually died for died on the cross for your sins, not just to save you and initially and say, go ahead, do what you want to do. No, oh no, oh no. That's not the testimony of scripture at all. You gotta you have bought into a false gospel if you believe that. Jesus gave himself for us. Why? That he might redeem us from all iniquity, all of it. Hello. And purify. Is Jesus purifying your life? Are you crying out to him in the words of scripture, in the words of David, in the words of uh, John the Baptist? You must increase, but I must decrease. In the words of the apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ. In the words of the Apostle John, every man that has this hope in him, that is the return of Jesus, purifies himself even as he is pure. First John 3.3. 3. See, Jesus came to deliver you from all iniquity. And if that isn't in process, he's not working in you. You're not working out your salvation uh, with fear and trembling according to his stated uh, instructions or terms. You're doing something on your own. You have a mere form of godliness. You only think you're saved, but you are in need today of going before the Lord in utter brokenness, humility of heart and sincerity and authenticity and repenting before a holy God who will cast you into hell if you don't. See, Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, not some of it, all of it. Oh, brother, are you saying we can stop sinning? You telling me you're abiding in Christ and that he's not powerful to overcome every sin in your life? Yes or no? See, 1 John 3, 5, and we know that Jesus was manifested. I'm just reading scripture, folks. Okay. You got a problem with that. You got a problem with the Lord who gave the scriptures. And you know that he was manifested. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come to the earth? Why was the word made, made flesh? To take away our sins. Not He didn't come to save us in our sins, but from them. So he was manifested, 1 John 3, 5, to take away our sins. How can you say you fellowship with a holy, holy, holy God and you got sin in your life you won't repent of? Acknowledge, get honest about, and seek God to get to, to help you overcome it. Tell me. That's a rhetorical question. You really think a holy, holy, holy God is going to fellowship and coexist with your sin? That's delusional, man. You're completely self-deceived. And you know that he, Jesus, was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him. Are you abiding in him today? John 15, 1 through 6. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. He does not keep sinning. He doesn't, he's not uh, relegated to just sin. Whosoever sinneth had not seen, neither known him. Okay, Galatians 5, 24. They that are Christ, who are they? Have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. It's time to take a ruthless perspective, absolute, toward the crucifying of the flesh. Amen. The fasting in prayer, the denying self, taking up the cross and following Jesus. And by the way, fasting in prayer does not earn you anything with God. It's just your love for him manifesting and saying, I want Jesus to reign in my life. I love you, Jesus. You are my first love. 
and I do love you and I want to obey you and your commandments are not grievous. I just want to be one with you. That is the heart cry right there of the true uh, wise virgins whom Jesus has initially saved. We're engaged. We're espoused to him. We're not married to him yet. Not in the fullest sense of being in the eternal bridal chamber of heaven or the new Jerusalem. You, you may be a king's kid, friend, but you're not home yet. You better fight the good fight of faith. You better get your dukes up. You better lay down your life and endure to the end and fight the good fight of faith. Seeking God with everything that's in you and setting everything else as unimportant compared to the overriding and central goal of your life that Jesus Christ reigns in your life, that you are crucified with him. Nevertheless, you live it, not you, but Christ that liveth in you and the life which you now live in the flesh. You live by the faith of the Son of God. So Paul says, who gave, that Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all, not some, but all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar, a special Peculiar in the Bible means special. A peculiar people, zealous of good work. Are you zealous of good works? These uh, eternal security frauds, uh, that man, they don't want to hear nothing about doing good works. <laughs> oh, you're trying to work for yourself. They, uh, these people are delusional, man. You got to be kidding. The Bible says that we're to maintain good works. I believe that's Titus 3.8. Here it says that Jesus' true authentic bride are zealous of good works. Jesus taught, Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let me ask you something, friend. Do you have good works? I'm talking about not to earn your salvation, but because you're saved and you're walking with Jesus, you're going to tell me that you're abiding with the king of king, you, kings you claim saved you and there's not good fruit, including good works coming out of your life. That's delusional, man. That's delusional. When you're saved by grace, Titus 2, 11 through 14, uh, it's teaching you something. That's to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If you don't, you won't be with him in the next world. Looking for that blessed hope, glory to God, and the glorious appearing, are you ready, of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto him a peculiar, special people zealous of good works. Amen. Ready or not, my friend, Jesus is coming. Are you ready to meet the king? Jesus is coming. Ready or not, Jesus is coming. He warned us, no excuses. Many who were once saved will not be ready. Eternal damnation awaits every one of them. Now, as we close, I want to look at a list of 10 things that is are clearly known of people when they believe this eternal security heresy taught only by Satan and his false teachers, not only in the beginning in the garden, but throughout history and today. That's why we have a book out called Lie of the Ages. It is an absolute blockbuster, a 730 page bombshell dismantling 
this diabolical first lie of Satan, the lie of the ages that continues. It started in eternity past with one third of the angels and Lucifer continued in the garden and has continued ever since through Satan's false ministers as it does today and will until Jesus comes and conquers and sets up his rule and reign on the earth. So here's what we know. Here's what is clearly known of those who believe and buy into this ear-tickling heresy, this dishonest, cop-out, cowardly doctrine of eternal security. Number one of the ten, they are not being honest with God, Luke eight 15. They're not honest. Number two, they are not honest with his word. Amen. They have not said with Paul, let God's word be true in every man a liar, Romans 3, 4. Number three, they are self-deceived. We read in Titus 3.11, totally self-deceived and they're heretics and they're to be rejected after being admonished with the truth one or two times or more. Number four, God has sent them a strong delusion because they don't love his truth. They have chosen to trust in something else other than the Lord. They don't care what his word said. They want their ears tickled. They cry with the false counterfeits uh, among God's people of, of Isaiah's day, Isaiah 30, verse 9 and 10. Give us smooth things. Oh, man, don't give us hard stuff. Prophesy deceits to us. Tickle our ears. We don't want change. We want to revel in the sins of the flesh. Okay, so God has sent them strong delusion, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, because they don't love the truth. So God took it personally, and he sent them strong delusion, and they got demons. Number five, those who have bought the first lie of Satan, that is still alive and well and damning millions today, they are not studying to show their own selves approved to God, but rather following snakes many of whom we call pastors, who tell them what they want to hear. They tickle their ears. See, they will not endure sound doctrine, but they're being turned to fable stories, including this grace-perverting heresy. We're talking about eternal security, unconditionally going to heaven, they teach, just because you got initially saved. Not true. Scripture teaches initial and final salvation. Okay, number six on this list of 10 things that we know about all who believe this heresy of once saved, always saved. They've turned the grace of God into lasciviousness or a license to sin. Jude verses three and four. And they are to be earnestly contended against. They are ungodly men. Number seven, they are no, no longer saved by grace. Why? Because they continue in sin instead of repenting and confessing it obeying God and crying out to him for overcoming victory. That's Romans 6, 1 and 2. Number eight, what we know about those who believe once saved, always saved, is that they are hell-bound and it's going to be worse with them than if they had never, ever known the Lord, never experienced salvation. According to 2 Peter 2, 20 and 21, that is a devastating revelation. Uh, no honest person or even slightly honest person could possibly read this. And you can tell anybody for me on the authority of God's word, put my name on it too, if you want, that they are absolutely delusional 
deceitful and dishonest that they're going to say once saved, always saved after reading these two verses here in Second Peter 2, 20 and 21. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, what they're going to say, these these wolves, will they, they stop at nothing to justify their heresy. Okay. All right. They're going to say, well, they were never really saved. They just had a head knowledge. Okay. Then how is it that they escaped the pollutions of the world without being saved? Are you kidding me? All right. Anyway, that almost defies even have to to defend but anyway they've always got an acrobatic uh little move to put on you like all cults okay number nine see the the evangelical church world and those who perpetrate this evil lie of eternal security are like a cult within the professing church world within the evangelical church world okay so notice number nine of the the ninth thing of the 10 that we know about those who believe once saved, always saved, they've departed from the faith due to giving heed and giving in to sedu- quote, to s- seducing spirits and what doctrines of devils they go hand in hand. In fact, anybody who believes that has Satan in their life. Okay. This is spiritual warfare, and only those who obey the truth are going to overcome and walk with the Holy Ghost instead of demons. Seducing spirits who have led them to believe this doctrine of devils now dominate their lives and now are in control of them. They are turned over to strong delusion. That includes demons. In fact, he specifically said, by the working of Satan, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, So it's clear that those who believe false doctrines were seduced by demons to believe it. And now they got those demons controlling their life. They got demons in their life. Okay. Number 10. And finally, the last point. I know there's a lot more than this, but this is just 10 that I put down earlier today, right off the top of my head. Okay. When a person believes once saved, always saved. When they bought this lie instead of the truth, because you're not going to read the Bible and find this in there. Okay. It's just not in there. Some snake had to teach you this, condition you to believe it. But you believe it, some of you that are listening to me, because you didn't study to show your own self approved unto God, because you don't love Jesus enough to do so. Everything else in this world that you, you love, okay, that's more important to you than Jesus. The Bible says, if any man love this world, the love of the Father is not in him. You don't know him. Number 10, they didn't endure to the end during trying times. And fell away, even though they still have right now a form of godliness. And that's what we read in Luke 8.13 as we close, my friend. Jesus taught that after being saved, Luke 8.12 and 13, that you can fall away. Okay? You want to call the Son of God a liar? You go ahead. You can blaspheme him if you want. I'm not going to join you. Okay? You're, you're a devil. If you're saying you can't fall away because Jesus invented the term fall away. I am looking at it right now. And if you got a real Bible, a King James Bible, you can too. The last two words of Luke 8, 13, Jesus said, they on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root. Notice 
He's talking about believing and being saved in the previous verse. And he says, they on the rock are they which hear, uh, receive the word with joy after they hear it and have no root. They don't choose to truly repent or definitely not in any deep way. They receive it, which for a while believe that way. Jesus said they believe. Hmm, interesting. That means it was saved. And that's the context of verse 12 and 13. Jesus said, he that believeth has everlasting life. John six forty You're going to argue with that? Okay. And then it says, and in time of temptation, they fall away. They did, they did not endure to the end through that trial, through that season of testing. Okay. They did. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But they were tested. Okay. During a time of temptation. And they fell away because they didn't choose to endure it. And they didn't choose to continue to seek the Lord and make him the Lord of their lives. And the first priority, the first love. Notice as we close verse 15 here, Luke 8, 11 through 15 is paramount to your understanding of all of scripture. And Jesus said that to be true. But that on the good ground, here's the only one of the four soils, heart soils. And that's all a choice for every one of us. That's going to be in glory. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, they obey God and bring forth fruit with patience. In other words, to the end of their lives. So much more to say on this. I want to encourage you to get the, the uh, book Lie of the Ages. Make sure you have a King James Bible. Get rid of the counterfeits. So, oh, by the way, don't give them to somebody else. Please burn them, rip them up or whatever. According to Acts 19.19, have a bonfire for Jesus. Get rid of Satan's books and counterfeit paraphernalia. Amen. God bless you and thank you uh, for considering to support the work of SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thousands are being reached every day, uh, not only uh, on the Internet via technology, but all over the world. We're dropping books and Bibles, King James Bibles, in the prisons across the country, sending them to Africa and other parts of the world. Thank you for your support, and God bless you. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, Scripture-rich, uh, edifying podcast on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with uh, uh, several, many books on there for your uh, edification in Christ. They're all scripture rich and Christ centered. Also tens of thousands uh, of saints and sinners are being reached every month. And uh, your prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit uh, our donate page on the site. And uh, uh, you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach uh, is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and uh, all over the world. And uh, may God be praised that uh, there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together, 
in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.